There's talk of one world currency. A lot of that talk taking place right now. Cashless society. All these conversations are taking place. It's, this is real world stuff. People are talking about deception. And in Matthew 24, when Jesus was with his disciples and they were leaving the temple, he told them that, that all, not one of these stones is going to be left on another. And, and, and he's talking basically about, about the end times. His disciples came to him later on in private and said, when are these things going to happen? The first words out of his mouth is, see that you are not deceived. And, and what we find out now is that this whole COVID situation was deception from, from the onset. There's a patent for, a, for an injection that came out before the virus came out. And so, you know, now we're finding out that there's nefarious things that are, that are in these injections. We're, we're finding out that shutdowns happened. Why? Why were we masking our kids? And it's all lies and deception. Recently, earlier in March, March 5th, Dr. Bing Liu. Does anyone, does that name ring a bell to anyone? Dr. Bing Liu, doing research at the University of Pittsburgh. Doing research at the University of Pittsburgh. He was about to expose what he discovered was murdered in Ross Township in his house. Um, this is real world stuff. Are we going to go into this stuff? Are we going to talk about it? We are absolutely going to get into this. Ukraine and Russia. We hear of wars and rumors of wars. Brother will be against brother and nation against nation. The Bible, um, that, that word in the Greek for nation is ethos. And ethos uh, can be translated as uh, cultures or people groups. And so you have the Ukrainians and the Russians, people groups. Battling. You have China and Taiwan, people groups, battling, cultures. Families are divided right now. We have all these rumors about what's going on in China and North Korea, and people are asking, hey, is this like Ezekiel 38 from, from the Bible? Are these, is this the war that's talking about? And, and are, are we going to talk about this stuff? We're absolutely going to get into all this stuff. We are. Hyperinflation right now. Gas prices, both in your car and in your house. You go to the grocery store and either nothing's there or it costs a heck of a lot more than it did six months ago. And then if you're paying attention and you know what's going on, you find out that for the past two and a half years, the Chinese Communist Party and Bill Gates have been buying up a lot of farmland in our country. I don't think they're going to be planting Organic crops on that land. So, does the Bible talk about famine? Absolutely. Are we going to talk about that? Are we going to uncover that? Absolutely. All of this, everything that we're seeing right now, everything that we're experiencing, is paving the way for this great reset. In order to reset something, you have to break it first, right? And aren't we breaking this world? The world is being broken right before our eyes. And and, and in some cases, we're creating the prison that we're in. And, And so, 
It paves the way for the Antichrist. It paves the way for the man who's going to show up and he's going to talk peace and security. And he's going to be the one to broker all these peace deals. And he all of a sudden gas prices are going to drop. And we're going to have energy and we're going to have food. And everyone will celebrate this man. What does the Bible have to say about the Antichrist? A lot. And I know that uh, my brother Edmund's going to get into that tonight. There's some evil, evil men that are out there right now. And I'm not saying that they're the Antichrist. We don't know who they are. As a matter of fact, um, I don't plan on being here when he's revealed. Uh, I expect the Lord to come back, take us, and then that's when the Antichrist comes on the scene. But uh, Klaus Schwab is a good name for you to know if you've learned about the World Economic Forum. How about Yuval Noah Harari? This man is talking about transhumanism, uh, all kinds of nefarious and evil things. He's literally known as the prophet uh, in his circles. And I know that there might be some scoffers out there. And if you're a scoffer tonight, uh, that's okay, because guess what? Our Bible talks about you too. Second Peter 3, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Look, a third of our scripture is Bible prophecy. And it's going to take us several sessions to get through everything I just talked about. Okay? That is not all happening tonight. That would be like taking a drink out of a fire hose and it would be uh, just inappropriate for us to start off in that capacity. And what we're learning is that conspiracy theory yesterday is truth today. And there's a ton of podcasts out there that you could listen to. And there are a ton of, you know, channels you could go to where they don't deplatform you, Rumble, BitChute, other places, where you could hear all of the things that I talked about. And we are going to discuss those, but we are going to discuss what the Bible has to say about that stuff. Not, we're not going to address conspiracy theory. We're going to take these topics and we're going to say, what does the Scripture say? Because the Scripture has a lot to say about everything I just mentioned. And God is the one and only source of truth. And so that's what we're basing everything on. We're starting tonight by talking about Bible prophecy. What is it? We're going to learn to understand. If you want to know a counterfeit, you don't study counterfeits. You study the original. So we're going to study the original tonight. And I am honored to be able to introduce my brother and my friend, Edmund Cornell. Edmund and his wife, Martha, are founding members of Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills in California. And it is there where he became the first youth pastor. He and Martha were called to the mission field and they planted Calvary Chapel, Herborn, Germany. And they were there for 18 years. For 14 of those years, he hosted an annual prophecy conference and he brought in speakers from all around the world. So this gentleman is very well versed in the topic that we're going to be covering tonight and moving forward. After 18 years of serving and leading in Germany, while also doing ministry in Europe, 
Africa and Brazil, Edmund and Martha returned back to the United States uh, where he and his wife have landed here in Pittsburgh. Praise be to God. We're blessed to have them where they worship and serve here at Harvest as they wait for the Lord's return. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, Pastor Edmund Cornell. truth, look and look at our world and see what is actually going on. Because a lot of people don't know what's going on, and yet we see we are given from the scripture, Mark 13, 23, but take heed, Jesus says, see, I have told you all things beforehand. So therefore the church, especially the church, is without excuse. Jesus has told us as the body of Christ, the full counsel of God, what he plans to do and what is coming. And that is, to me, a very important point to consider this evening. So I want to pray and ask the Lord to bless this time that we can really just receive of what he has for us. So, Lord, we come to you and we're thankful for this evening. Lord, we know that there's so much information, so much truth from your word. Lord, we can just Keep going all night long, just like we see Paul did in the book of Acts. But we don't want people falling out windows. We just want to come here and and just receive of what you have for us this evening. Would you bless, Lord, anoint, open the ears of those that are hearing, Lord, that your spirit might do a work in their hearts. So we commit this evening to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We have an example, and it's in First Chronicles 12.32, and it was speaking of the sons of Ishakar. These men were joined to King David at that time, and these men were described in Scripture as men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. And that's kind of the base of this ministry that is taking off this evening. We want to know, Lord, what should we do? We're seeing all these things happen. We, we, we're looking at the scripture and, and it's becoming alive. But what should we do? And this is something I think a lot of people are confused on and we're going to touch bases on that. But one of the things we must do is be joined just like Ishakar's sons. They were joined to David. Well, we need to be joined to the son of David, Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. What does he have? to say concerning this, these times and what does he have for us personally? Because he understands us individually. He understands the fears. He understands, hey, some of us have little kids. What, what should we do, Lord? And so our Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? He's coming. No matter what we're seeing, he's coming to rule and reign. That's a fact. Guaranteed. It is in the scripture. But at the same time, He's coming to defeat an evil empire, a a system that we haven't seen ever in the history of mankind. Therefore, there's going to be a judgment like no other in the history of mankind. But these evil ones, we find out it's the son of perdition. Now, this is the title for the Antichrist. But do you realize, and I think some of you do, right away you picked up, well, that's the name of Judas. And it is true. 
In Scripture, we only know two people in all of the Scripture that is possessed by Lucifer himself. It is Judas and the Antichrist. Everybody else is demon-possessed, some kind of evil spirit, whatever rank they are, but it's, it's not Lucifer himself that we know of. So how do we look at this topic? How do we deal with this? Well, first of all, I think it's good that we start off uh, this evening in this whole ministry of understanding our times by some basic things, and that is, what is eschatology? Because that's what we're teaching. These topics, if you were to go to a Bible college, this whole setting would be that of an eschatology class. And therefore, what is the word eschatology? Well, we have two words, eschos, which means last, and logos means subject matter or discourse. So this is a topic on these last things, or that's why many translate it as end times. So what is going to happen in the end times? That is a good question, but we know that eschatology is in our history. We've seen the scenario of end-time events even back in history as they looked forward, and they thought, wow, this is, this is end-time stuff. Well, we got to understand there's not only end-time stuff happening even in our time, but there's still a, a future connected to eschatology. And what do I mean by that? Well, we know all the way at the end of the book, we're dealing with a future that is dealing with eternity. But we're also, in this present moment, we're living in a time of the present age. And this is important to realize, because there's many things happening in in dispensations within the church, within the Bible. And what are some of these? Well, well, we'll be looking at those in the future. It's just, there's a lot to unpack. So we're going to kind of just bring the basics this evening. And I hope it, hope it will be eye-opening and it will really minister to your heart. But concerning eschatology, theologians say this. Biblical eschatology is the capstone to systematic theology. Did you catch that? Listen, we have a lot of information. You have information. We could get up here and begin to throw out, oh, you hear about this, you hear about that, and we could talk about the mark of the beast, the money system, all these different things that are going on. And you know what? If we did that, it would basically be a little bit of chaotic, I think, by throwing out everything. So we're going to try to systematically teach what the Bible says about this topic, that topic, and and unravel it all so we get a full understanding. So if you're excited about one topic, please hang on. We will get there, okay? Because it is. It's all exciting, but we want to kind of bring it in the order as much as we can. So this is what our goal is and what we would like to do. But we do know, like Luke 17, 26 to 30, it speaks about the days of Noah and that of Lot. And so we want to look at that. What does that really mean behind those statements? Because there's a lot, believe me, because in that you got the Nephilim, you got a judgment is coming. 
And yet, what we have to beware of is that there are people in these judgments with the flood and with the hailstones that came down on Sodom and Gomorrah, there were people who did not realize what was about to happen. And that's a scary thing. If there's people not knowing what judgment is pending and what is maybe literally around the corner. So this is what we want to kind of awaken maybe some of the bride of Christ that they would see, hey, you know what? We're close. So uh, when I say these things, because being in Europe, Europe has always been considered by the American church the black hole of Christianity. It is post-Christian. And you know what? I can vouch for that in many ways. What has happened in Europe? And you know what? When you read the book of Acts, Paul went to Europe, and from there it came throughout Europe. Then it came to us. And so if it happened to them already, we have to beware lest we follow the same ways of Europe, our brothers and sisters there. And that's, to me, something we have to really beware of. So as we see these warnings, which we will give some of the warnings this evening, we have to make sure we're not ignoring what the Lord has pre- or foretold us in advance. Because it seems like, a lot of people are like the days of Noah, just living and everything is just normal. It's not like awareness of what's going on. And, and they don't seem to know the lateness of the, the return. Like the, the, the return of the Lord is really close. And in the scripture, we're getting to the end. And we need to really look at this. So we know there's signs. We know Jesus was questioned on this topic, that there was going to be deceptions and rumors of wars and all that. We will get into that very much. But like our brother was saying, uh, Alex said a third of the Bible. Well, 27 of the Bible is prophecy, but yet at the same time, 20% of the books in the Bible are prophetic in nature. And so you have this large portions of Scripture that are just dealing with prophecy. So that's why it's important that we're teaching this, and we see like the books of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, and Revelation. Those are dominantly filled with Scriptures concerning end times. And we got to realize how the Lord is wanting us to know. He doesn't want us to be asleep on this topic, and therefore we need to consider these type of evenings that we will be having in the future. We see here in Isaiah, popular verse, Isaiah 46, 8 through 10, it says, Remember this and show yourself, men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors, remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other God. I am God, and there is none like me. Now notice, verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning, and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do my pleasure. It's interesting, he says, from the end to the beginning. So we know there's clarity. If you are in the end and looking back, you see it all. If you're in the beginning and looking the other way, it's kind of like, well, maybe you see it. But if you're at the end, you got a clear picture of it all. 
And this is what our God says. I'm going to tell you from the end to the beginning. And so it's important when we begin to study God's words that this is God's counsel. These are God's declarations that they are to be understood by us. They, uh, listen, they are connecting to our times now. A lot of people were asleep. But you know what? These type of things are waking up people that have been living in the gray, that have been living on the edge, and people are starting to come back. And they're realizing, hey, something is going on. But the Word of God, we are to learn from these things. This is why it says in Revelation 1.3, Blessed is he who reads and hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it, for the time is near. So we got to keep what we're learning, that passion, like the Lord wakes us up and we're saying, oh, 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 wait a minute. Now we have to begin to do these things. We, if we're understanding, let us apply it. And that's what we got to do. Listen, if we're going to begin to learn about prophecy, we're going to learn 100% about our Lord because the prophecy that the Bible tells us in Revelation 9.10, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you want to know about Jesus in the fullness, well, you're going to have to study prophecy. And that's something we're going to do here. We're going to begin to really dive in on certain topics that maybe uh, you never thought about. And we're praying that God is going to really... Speak to your hearts. Because one thing we all know, and, and Pastor Jeff here is really taught us well concerning the love of God as we have gone through John and we're going through all these different wonderful uh, scriptures. God loves us to the point that he sent his son. But yet, at the same time, God has a plan. And in those plans, some of it is wonderful, glorious of our salvation, but there's others that reject his plans. And we see that there's also his holy righteousness that is coming to this earth, and he's going to deal with sin. And this is something that prophecy is dealing with. But God wants to comfort us in no matter what is going on in our world, in the seasons, because there are seasons that some of us have been through. Some of our grandparents came through the war, World War II. And you know what? It wasn't that much earlier. It was World War I. And there's a lot that happened that changed our world in that time. And you know what? Some of those people are still alive in our generation. And so what is, what is going on? Well, one thing we need to know is the devil, he has his men in high places in government and different places that are ruling, and sometimes we can lose heart as we're seeing lawlessness. Even in our own country, as you see lines of people from all over the world trying to get into this country, and we're seeing these people's heart because, you know what, they want to be free. They think they're coming to the land of the free, but we're seeing lawlessness to the point that are we free anymore? Our freedoms are being taken away in this generation. And this is an interesting point as we begin to look at what 
is happening. And when we see these type of things, we got to stop and not panic. We need to realize that our Lord is still in control. Don't ever forget that, my brothers and sisters. We see what it says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 22. It is he, God, who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness. And he, in the light, dwells with him. So God, he's not going to be taken by surprise by what these masterminds of evil are doing. There's no way that that's going to happen. And you know what? You even see, like, you know what? We're doing works. If anybody, if you could talk to anybody in ministry here, once they say yes to ministry, the devil starts to play games with you. He tries to now chase you and trap you. That's, that's how he works. He's always in the background trying to trip or he has his, his principalities and powers trying to knock us down. That is a, a, a for, for sure given. But we need to realize when we're getting now into spiritual warfare, we're not to just put the armor of God and just let him beat on us. We are warriors for Jesus Christ. And we're to do battle. And so I pray that God's going to really bring up faith in this place and that we would begin to realize who we are in Christ Jesus. That's my hope. But we must remember some things, as mentioned earlier, in Matthew 24, because this is a very important thing, what the disciples asked Jesus. In verse 3, Now he sat down on the mountain of olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And I think that's a lot of the questions in all of our hearts here tonight. Lord, what, what's going on? What, what's, can you tell us what, when is gonna, this going to happen and that's going to happen? Because we know Scripture, but we don't know the exact timing. And they were questioning the same thing. And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? This is a good question. I want to know that. But we have to be students of the Word to begin to realize and have our eyes open, and as the Holy Spirit illuminates, we will begin to see things as we're looking at our newspaper, magazines, and news on the television. We will begin to realize, ah, I see what's going on here and what they're doing. We will begin to be able to discern the times, and this is very important because this is exactly what the sons of Ishakar did in their times. In Matthew 24, deception is the key point. A lot of people talk about the earthquakes, especially us that were from California. We're always rocking and rolling over there. But And if you've never been in an earthquake, believe me, it's, it's an amazing thing. Okay, uh, But at the same time, you know, we're now dealing with pestilence and famines, and those are true. But four times in Scripture, in this Matthew 24, it's dealing with deception. So when it comes to end-time scenario, deception is the number one thing we have to be aware of. This is number one. I'll show you these verses. It tells us in Matthew 24, 4, it says, Take heed that no one deceives you. That's number one. Verse 5, 
For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. That's number two. Number three, verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Then, verse 24, false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, even possible, even the elect. Listen, they're going to do some miracles. They're going to grab a lot of people's attention at this time. It's increasing in the days that are coming. And so how do we deal with this? Well, we got to realize some things. I think very important is this, is that deception, when we look at it, the main thing is counterfeit, because that's who the the devil is and the Antichrist is. They are to deceive. That's the main purpose. But like with Jesus, because they're counterfeiting Jesus, with Jesus, he had the Holy Spirit. Well, the Antichrist will have the spirit of Antichrist. And that's something that we got to realize because there are the, the spirit of Antichrist that is working and has been working since the New Testament. And they have uh, really that spirit of Antichrist that been upon people, world leaders of, of history past, and even in our days. Some, that's why we're seeing some how can, like things like, how can these guys have so much global power? How can they influence this much in our world? Well, because it's not just mere men. There is a spirit of the evil and dark side connected to them. That is the reason why. Now, don't underestimate this, because there's our powers and principalities. These ranks, that men is on the lowest part, angels the next, then you have archangels, then you have seraphims, cherubims. you got ranks of power within the angelic realm. And so we got to understand that same powers, a third of them fell away into the dark side and, and followed Lucifer, a cherubim. So we got to realize some things here. But how do we deal with that? This is what Alec mentioned earlier, deception. You, the, the way to identify the counterfeit is to know the real authentic one. And that's important that we are learning about Jesus, who Jesus is, his character, his ways. And to the point when even Jesus says in John 10, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Well, we need to be able to decipher between the voice and the false shepherd, who is also trying to call us to follow him. And so we need to beware, and we need to understand this. But another thing to consider is this. There's a deception, a Luciferian deception. And here it is, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And it says, no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. This is important. We all, I think, know this scripture. But nevertheless, we don't underestimate this. Because this, again, falls into the category of deception. And many people say, oh, it can't be so wrong because, look, I, I saw this. I felt this. And this is the problem. There are now churches that have pastors, and I wouldn't even say they're pastors. I think they're hirelings. They're not the real shepherds of God. And they're teaching not the word. They're teaching not the truth. They're teaching a feeling. How do you feel? 
And this all came from California, I hate to say it, but Robert Schuller, I don't know if you guys know who he is, the Crystal Cathedral, that ministry is the one that brought psychology into the church. And that is when no more talking about sin, no more talking about the cross and the brutality of what Jesus endured for us. Those are too negative. In fact, they even went so far as to say, when you come to church and you have a Bible, you know what? Those new people coming to church, they don't have a Bible, so you are making them feel bad. So you do not bring your Bibles to church. No one brings a Bible to church. And you see how that is a, just a slick way that the enemy has really worked himself into a position within the church. What I think we need to really understand is this power that we're dealing with. Because to deal with this power, we have to understand this. The devil, we learn from Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was being tempted, the devil knew Scripture. He says, for it is written. The devil knows. Our enemy knows the word. And you know what? If he knows the word, how are we going to fight him if we're not knowing the word? We have to know the word of God. And so that's why we need to pay attention. We need to be in the word as much as we can and make it a priority. It's, it's out of the list of 10 things most important in your life. It has to be number one. Because listen, so what you, you have all these things. You have the house, you got the business, you got the boat, you got the toys. So what? You got a trailer that's going to take it to heaven? I don't think so. It's all about, do you know Jesus Christ? And what is your relationship to him? Even in our times, we're seeing the devil, he's stirring things up right now. Just like mentioned, we've seen wars. We're seeing this whole thing in Ukraine and and what is true about it and what is not true about it? There's a lot of things going on over there that we really need to realize. But one thing we do know, there is definitely two main wars that must come before Jesus returns. And that is the war that is mentioned in Ezekiel 38, which we will dive into and make sure you're fully understanding that. And then, of course, that of Armageddon. What is that? What, what's the details of that? And we will eventually get to that point. But we got to realize this. This is the key verse right here, 1 Thessalonians 5.3. It tells us, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So this is a key thing, and this is something that we need to be fully aware of. And this is why a lot of Christians are looking at this whole Ukraine-Russia thing, because why? Because we have now had world leaders say, this could start World War III. We will use our nukes. We have never had that, where superpowers are now threatening with with their weapons, and we know that now we're dealing with hypersonic 
which, you know what, I don't think we can stop. At least what I, I don't know, we have a super thing to stop that. But nevertheless, we're dealing with a whole new scenario concerning weaponry and powers around the world. We're looking at Iran, the Shiites, who are looking for the 12th Amman to come up. And when the 12th Amman comes up, he is to make war globally and around the world. Why? Because then he will have his full power. So when they get it, they have no problem, according to their religion, to start a world war. That would be part of their plan. And so we, 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 we have all of this volatile stuff, and we will look at all this coming up. But we see in church history, Israel, I should say, in Jeremiah 6.14, you know, they were in a time, judgment was going to come to them, and you had false prophets as well speaking, telling them things. And they, it says, they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. And this is really what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to come in the future with a peace plan. There's going to be something so radical, and many think it's possibly Ezekiel 38, and it does look like a possible nuclear war. If that is true, then we can understand this man of sin, the son of partition, coming up and saying, hey, i got a solution. I can make peace. And the world will then embrace him. And this is his entry. He comes in as a peace, a man of peace, but literally it's a false peace. And we know that what will he'll do in the mid of the tribulation, those three and a half years, is going to be very bad for the world, but mainly for the children of Israel. But again, we have our Lord speaking. Matthew 24, again, he says this in verses 6 and 8. He says, see that you are not troubled, for these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So the question is, how far are we in? We're seeing things that pertain to what the Bible talks about. But how far are we along this pregnancy? How far along are we in with the pains is the question. Are they the beginning? Just that first one. And those husbands that were there when your wife had her first kick and scream, you understand. Birth pains, these are important because they begin to increase and they begin to get closer and closer. This is how you know the baby is coming. And yet this is how we will re- totally be aware and, and it will be revealed to us as we see more things. Hey, the Lord is coming. And he's coming back just as he promised. So I'm excited about that. But these birth pains, you know, uh, I know I, I have four kids, so... I'm an experience. I could therefore say this with all authority. Uh, I remember when Martha had false labor pains. 
You know, we thought, oh, is this it? This is it. And it was not it. It wasn't the time. But you know what? It did not negate that she was still pregnant and she was going to have birth soon. So we might see false labor pains. We might see things boil up and look like something's going to happen, and it then might settle. It already has happened, in, at least in my lifetime. And so we have to say, okay, all right. That's why we have to come down. You've got to do <laughs> Remember the Lamas class? You guys take the Lamas class, yeah? You've got to do the breathing techniques. Calm down, all right? So when you do that, then you can continue. And this is what we want to look at. Because it is. It is dealing with the beginning of sorrows, those birth pains that are coming. And when did that all start? Well, I could say for sure it happens here in 1 Peter 1.20 and Hebrews 1.12. Because 1 Peter 1.20, it says, he is talking about Jesus that has appeared in the last times. And then it says in Hebrew 1.12, Jesus being the one who came in the last days, God has spoken to us by his son. So we know Jesus is in the last time in his, his day. And in the, in the broad scope of human history, Jesus coming was the beginning of what we're going to say the last times and the, and the end will begin. And this is very interesting to me as we look at this. But you know what? Old Testament, we see in Genesis, in the beginning, when Jacob was dying, he called his sons in, in Genesis 49.1, and he says, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. God has already been speaking to his people what's coming, and we should know. We should know from the Old Testament all the way to the New what has been foretold to us because there are false prophets. In Deuteronomy 18, it speaks of the prophet that would come, and that was speaking about Jesus Christ. While the Muslims say Muhammad was the prophet, but when you begin to look at what that entails and you put it up against Jesus versus Muhammad, Muhammad is like out of the picture. Jesus fulfills it all. But how do you know that? By studying the Word of God. It reveals it. It shows it. And that's why we have to be students of the Word. Very important, my brothers and sisters. So now, let us look at something. Right here in Luke 21, 24, we're now talking about the times of the Gentiles to be fulfilled. Here we're dealing with Daniel, and Daniel dealt with the greatest human king who ever reigned according to God's own estimation. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had that dream. You remember the story as, and, and, and the kingdoms are being revealed to him and, and all the way to the end. And he's, He's having this dream, and he wants to know. And, and, and Nebuchadnezzar was so troubled that he, remember, he, he calls all his uh, special wise men, magicians, and all them to interpret the dream. And finally, Daniel is the one that was able to do so. And it was, there was a great statue. Remember that statue? 
Very interesting because as we look at the statue, it is the top is the head of gold, and that is Nebuchadnezzar, the most radical and most powerful kingdom that would ever rule on this earth. But we go all the way down to the end on that same statue, and we see that it ends up with the Roman Empire to the point of the end time with the ten toes. And we will definitely talk about that way more in the future. But even though God spoke to Nebuchadnezzar about his glorious kingdom, he wanted to know it all. And God showed him the history of the whole human history. And this is important, this statue, because you know what? It came true. And that is so important that we realize this whole thing. But yet at the same time, when you look at Nebuchadnezzar, John mentions in 1 John 2.18, even now many antichrists have come. He uses the plural, antichrist. Well, when you look at the statue of Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it's in the form of a man. And he is the head of gold. And he demanded worship. That is the type and the spirit of Antichrist back then. It was already happening. Throughout the Bible, there are many types of Antichrist. Pharaoh is a type of Antichrist. You see all these, and but yet on the opposite, there are types of Christ. Joseph is a type of Christ. So these pictures are coming and revealing truths to us from the old all the way to the fulfillment of Christ himself coming and to the fulfillment of when the Antichrist literally comes on this earth. So there's a lot to learn, and we got to glean from the Scripture because if you do a study, I, I have a study I would love to share with you one day, of the Antichrist, and you look at each world leader, Nimrod especially, he's the first one. Nimrod's the first one. And you, you know what's interesting? It started in Babylon, and it will end in Babylon. Revelation, judgment comes to Babylon. So it's key to understand the whole spectrum of what the Word of God is teaching us concerning this topic. But one thing, when we're looking at the times of the Gentiles, here we see that there is the statue, and it deals with those kingdoms, the Babylonian, the Mede and Persian, the Greeks, the Romans, and now we're dealing with end times. We are now in that end times with iron and clay. And there's, oh, there's a mystery to this one. We're going to talk about this. This this has a lot of information I think will blow our minds when we look at this. But at the same time, this whole statue is something at the end. There is, at the very end, when you read Daniel, a stone from heaven, not cut with man's hands, that God sends and destroys the statue. And that is Jesus Christ. He's coming. And we need to understand that. We need to realize this. But at the same time, when we begin to look at the power of the Roman system, we see how much they control. And that is so key. When you look at the power that 
they ruled, and they ended up ruling much more than that. Because now when you begin to look at the different countries now that are under the Roman system, I'm not saying you have to be Roman, because even in Italy, I have friends in Italy. I, have, I, I taught at churches in Italy. And they call the people in Rome Romans. They don't call themselves Romans, the Italian people. Those are a different group of people. Just like in Russia, there's many different ethnic groups in Russia, but there's only certain groups of people that are called Russians. You got to understand that, okay? There's a different breed. There's a group in there. And so here we have these Roman Empire that really controlled this whole vast area. And remember, when you look in Scripture, when you talk about the sea and the power of those that ruled the sea, it was talking mainly the Mediterranean, whoever ruled that. That was the main known world of the time. So the Mediterranean is very interesting. And I don't know if you can see, but there's that little dot. Let me point it out. Where can I point it out? This little dot right here. Here, you know, actually, you can't even see it. It's right here. It's not even there. It's so little. It's Malta. Have you heard of Malta? Malta. Guess what? Whoever ruled Malta ruled the Mediterranean. The pirates ruled it. The Brits ruled Well, kind of rules it still now. The Ottoman Empire ruled it. All these different kingdoms ruled it. And yet, we know, kind of interesting, that's where Freemason comes from. Comes from Malta. I went there just to see the history of Freemasonry and why they started there and all that. Because it was a powerhouse of the known world of that time. So let us look at something else. Here, we're having to look at the prophecy of the revised Roman Empire. This is important because the Bible is speaking about that. That's the, the ten toes. That is still the Roman. The legs were Roman, and now you got the, the, the ten toes. But it has to be a revived Roman Empire because we know Rome fell apart, kind of like what America is doing at this moment. America is falling apart within. Rome was never conquered. Rome fell apart, especially with all their homosexuality and their pedophile. Well, guess what we're doing? We're following suit. We are following, falling apart as a nation at this moment. So in this time, they revived it, okay? And it was the Club of Rome. They made a treaty, and that's the table that they were at. That's the euro coin, uh, coin that says the, tr- the Treaty of Rome. Uh, and this is a major change in world history, the Club of Rome. And we see how they develop. Yes, it was conceived in the 20s right after World War I. World War I was a big, major event. Then we see after World War II that it now started their parliament in 57. They begin to economically come together, and they're a powerhouse. They have more money than we do. That's why we don't. Trump really got on them. Why don't you pay your bill then for the security, right? I could totally understand that. 
And then in 1992 is when they were established as official, the EU. So this is important because, brothers and sisters, this is in our lifetime a lot of this. This is in our time. Things are developing like never before, and we need to pay attention to this. So as we look at this, we got to remember the statue. The feet are the Romans, but you had all those different empires, and then the head is Babylonian. And don't forget, it's the same, the one statue. So we're, we're looking at a, a real... Bad system, really an evil system. And another thing is, we've got to look at this revived Roman Empire, this treaty that was spoken about in Maastricht in, in, in the Netherlands. This treaty was signed, and it changed Europe forever. That was the main thing that happened in that time, and it was in our time. This is why we have to really wake up to see what is happening because one thing we do know, when they were starting all this, it was in the 20s, it was conceived, and then 51. But remember, what was the main thing that happened in that time? Israel went back into the land, 1948. Now do you see it's all starting to click. Things started to happen in that time, and so you're talking, hey, I was born in 58. So that's 10 years later I was born. Some of, some of you guys are older than me. You guys are closer to this date. Some of your grandparents were in this time where all this is happening. Now we got to really look at this because this is what we're going to look at next time. We're going to really look at Israel because they're the key player in end times, and I think we will be kind of blown away about it. But this treaty being made, but another thing is they begin to have a symbol. And and it's here what we see. With, it's a woman riding the beast. And even Der Spiegel, which is the mirror, that's the famous magazine in Germany, it says... Guten Morgen, Europa. Europa, we're going to look at this in a minute, but it says in Revelation 17.3, So he carried me away in the spirit and into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So we see that Europeans gladly are receiving this thing. In fact, if you go, this is the picture from the parliament. I took that picture when I was there. They are not hiding it. They are not ashamed of this. They are fully saying, we are Europe. And yet it's connected to a goddess. This is what we need to realize. She is a Phoenician goddess, and yet the Bible doesn't call her such a good name, this woman, because we see in Revelation... This woman, in chapter 17, verses 4 and 5, that the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and the pearls and having her hand a golden cup full of the abomination and the filthiness of her fornication and on her forehead a name that was written, 
mystery Babylon, the great mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. That's her name. It's not cute little Europa on the, on the back of a bull. No, she's on the beast. She's on this system. And we got to realize this all developed in our generation. All of this developed. And I'll show you some things that I think would be surprising to you. Even the Pope called the EU the revived Roman Empire. The signers of the treaty were quoted saying, we felt like real Romans that day, purposely recreating the Roman Empire. This picture of the Pope and those guys that sound, some of those guys that signed the treaty are standing in Michelangelo's uh, masterpiece there called The Last Judgment. Boy, they're going to be part of The Last Judgment. They better really wake up to this and what's going on. Interesting also is that the EU commissioner, Romano Prodi, and this is January 2000, this is what he said. He says, we are aiming at, therefore, at a new kind of global governance to manage global economy and environment. So you begin to see they're not hiding. It's, it's in plain view for the whole world. We learn from history that there were leaders prior who wanted to rule the world. We have Alexander the Great. We have Napoleon. We had Hitler. We have Karl Marx. We have these type of guys, and they don't care about human life because we see how they killed so many people. And I, I, I just want you to realize some things. Because because I was, me and Martha were in Germany for so long, I got to really glean a lot of history, and I would talk to uh, some of the people that came in our church. Some of them were university professors, and and uh, and I would ask them questions, and they would give me uh, a history lesson of of Europe and of Germany, and one of them uh, told me some things that I think are amazing, but. I don't know if you know this, that it, you're talking mid-1500s, 1600s. Uh, King Henry IV, he spoke a, of a grand design of Europe. It's called the European dream. Back in, in that time. In Germany, in the city that we started a church, there was a man named Johannes Alstedt, you're talking the same time, late 1500s, 1600s, and also another man, Johannes Amos Cominius, same time, late 1500s, up to the more later 1600s. Uh, these guys, Alstead, made the first cyclopedia with diagrams, scientific cyclopedia. And he had diagrams of what he was speaking about. That made history. There was never one before. It went to all the universities in London and America. This book was a game changer of that time. Cormenius, his buddy, he's the one that started the school system that we have today because there was no school system. You were either, if you were a peasant and you were poor, you don't go to school. You just work in the field. Others, the elite, 
they went to schools, they had tutors, or they went to some kind of school system, but it was only for the elite. Well, they together joined together, and they said, hey, we got to bring up the education of the people if we're going to want a global governance. So they were talking back then of a one-world government with a one-world leader. So conspiracy, I would say, hey, these guys in their secret, because they were uh, they were part of the Rose Cross, Rosicrucian, uh, that's part of the Freemason as well. They were part of that system, and they were all underground teaching all this stuff back then. But let me show you something I think that is very interesting as well. Here, when I landed, Martha and I landed in Europe, this was hanging, this poster, in the Frankfurt airport. And it has the Tower of Babylon. The stars are going the wrong way. They are in the symbol of Satan, upside down. Another thing, it says, Europe, many tongues, one voice. They put that phrase with the Tower of Babylon? Huh. They're rebelling against God. God's just the one that confused the language, and they're saying, no, we're coming back. They're arrogant, and they, they want to do what we're seeing today. I'm telling you, we got to be careful. So, again, it's dealing with this system that God has pre-told us about. It's the toes, and it's part of the Roman system. But one thing we got to realize is that even the old, it's part of the new, because today, when the EU started, the headquarters of the EU is in Belgium. But the French, who are full of Freemasonry and full of uh, esoteric stuff, they said, no, we want it in ours. And that's the, the, how the French roll over there. And so they built this. They built another UN headquarters that is built in the likeness of the Tower of Babel. And you got to see and realize this European system has really fallen back into the dark stuff. And when they were creating the EU, they wanted to make a new constitution and they wanted to take Jesus Christ out of it. And praise the Lord for the Polish people because they rebelled against it. They said, no, we're going to say, even though they're Catholics, at least they stood up. You know, that's one thing I could say. But the rest, I'm telling you, it's it's sad to say that uh, the history will show that Europe is post-Christian at this time. And it's sad, really sad. But one of the things is that they are into the esoteric. This is the picture of the London School of Economics. It's an interesting old picture that was hidden for a long time, and it just, not too many years ago, came back out. And I want you to look at it, because at the top in the red, it's hard to see, it says, remolded nearer to the heart's desire. That's what it says at the top. But notice the picture. You got two men with... Hammers pounding a globe that is red hot. Has to be hot to remold it. And these guys are 
pounding away. And this is, and they can guise themselves as religious people, as you see in the bottom. But I want to give you a little up close pick of this. Notice this. Their symbol is a wolf in sheep's clothing. That's their little motto. Isn't that pretty interesting? Why would they choose that? They are bold in what they are saying and what they plan to do. And I'm telling you, we need to beware of our times. And I think it's very good that we see it has developed. These things have developed with our grandparents, and now we're living in a generation. You're talking, some of you, it might be one generation. Some of you, it's two generations. That's all it took to get where we're at today. So we're seeing it's jumping. It's very much jumping in what they plan to do. They want to remold this world to what they want. And Who are these people? Who are they influenced by? Who is their God is the question. So we must beware and understand. So I want to ask now, uh, as we look at these last verse, ask you, why are the nations restless and the people plotting a vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and against his anointed. That is Jesus Christ. He who sits in the heavens laugh and the Lord scoffs at them. Listen, that's how our God sees these events that we're kind of fearing. But God says, hey, we've got to be careful. Don't get caught up in the nations and all what they're thinking. And all, you know, we're looking at what's, how they're plotting things. And, we, and we're aware to it. But God says, hey, really, these guys, they're, they're going to go after us if we are Christ-like. But they, they don't like Jesus. That's who they're going against. They're going to try to make war with him. But it tells us in Revelation that the Lord's coming to make war with them. And he's going to clean house, and I praise the Lord for that. So I want to close with some things, and I'm going to ask uh, Alex to come up. And I want to just ask some questions, and I, and I just want him and I to kind of dialogue together, and maybe uh, because we, we have 20 minutes that you and I can uh, kind of maybe answer some questions of what's on your heart. And one of them is what we should do. And, and, and this is one of them. In Genesis 19.17, Lot and his family was not to look back to the old worldly life, but to look forward to God's salvation. What do you think? How, how can people do that? Man, uh, let's just think about the last couple of years, right? Uh, the new normal, you hate that saying? Everyone says, you know what, can't we just get back? normal? What does that even mean anymore? That that Mm. time is gone. And and, and we're not going back. And and it's it's something I think that the awareness of that really needs to hit us. We need to to Mm. grab onto that, right? Because we need to be looking forward. We need to be looking to Christ. We need to be looking to our family. We need to be making sure that our salvation is secure. 
So looking backward is, is not no longer an option. And it needs to be something that is like, I've got goosebumps right now. It needs to be something that we need to be fired up over. Um, it's, it's one thing, I think, for, for us to, to, to want to look back and want to think about what we're missing and what we've missed out on instead mm-hmm. of looking forward and saying, hey, wait a minute. Um, yes, this world is different. It's not the same. Um, it's not going back the way it was. But I need to make sure that my family is secure. I need to make sure that my loved ones are secure. I need to make sure that the people who are important to me know the Word of God. True. And think about this. Israel was being saved by a mighty salvation through the Red Sea. And when they got into the wilderness, they started to say, man, do you remember the onions and the leeks back in Egypt and how good we had it? Why didn't they remember the slavery and the beating? Why is it that part of our human nature that we don't rem- remember the evil things that the enemy has taken us to and, and, and put his heels on our throats? We always only remember the things of our fleshly desires. That's something. And what's amazing to me about Lot and his family not all of his family wanted to go. They thought that Joe, uh, Lot was joking. Like, oh yeah, right, come on, Lot. So that is not a good thing if you lose your testimony amongst your family. This, this is where we got to be careful at the same time. But even Lot himself, it tells us when he was being taken out by the angels, that Lot hesitated. That blows me away. I don't understand. In the process of being saved, he hesitated. But yet I can say, how much are we might be doing the same? When we know some of the things that we should be doing and we're not doing and we're hesitating and we're kind of looking back to the old world. This is a warning that I think we see in Scripture. Another one is Hebrews eleven seven. We are to do as Noah did to do whatever it takes to save your family's life. What do you think about that? This is, uh, this is difficult. I bet there's probably not a person in this room that doesn't have someone they love deeply. Uh, that, that doesn't know the Lord. And uh, I certainly do. It is especially difficult because Sometimes they don't want to hear from you. And so, this is tough. This is tough. And if you're there, I, my heart is broken with you. Um, we need to, to preach a gospel at all times, uh, both with our words and without, with our actions. We need to make sure that we are you know, without necessarily waving the Jesus flag, that we are loving every single person in our family and people that we know and love. Because, you know, uh, people are without excuse. The day is coming when people are going to look up and realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is going on? What is really going on? And and when that happens, if they know that you're the one, right? Mm. They know that you're the one you're that weirdo that goes to church. You're that weirdo who's always talking about Jesus. You're that weird. Now, guess what? You're, you're not the weirdo anymore. I, I have a very good friend of mine. 
who used to tease me for bringing my Bible every day and sitting at my desk at work. He used to come in and make fun of me. And his mom died, had cancer, died. Way too young. And he came to me and started asking questions. And he came to faith. And so I didn't have to beat him over the head with it. He, he just knew. And I think it's important that we make that attempt to let people know about the truth. Let them know about Jesus, people in our family. But if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God, and that's okay. We need to just be there for them. Right? Just like God is there for us every waking moment. He's there with open arms. We need to be there with open arms. But we must realize one thing on that story. There was 120 years given to call upon these people. They had chances to repent. And Noah was a testimony, him and his family. And then the door was shut. We got to realize there's going to be a time. It's, it's, it's time. And things are going to start, start happening. And you know what? It's too late. And we have to realize that when the judgment begins and we see what the Antichrist will do and how people will believe him and start taking the mark, it's done. It's a done deal. And so we have to be that light and that salt in this time and continue to be like Noah, faithful to God, and stay faithful in saving his family. Here's another one. 1 John 3.3. 3. Do you believe what is coming? Because John tells us then we need to purify ourselves. What's that's a problem, man. <laughs> it's a big problem. We just did a series here at Harvest. Looking back, and, and you have to ask yourself, is the life, am I, am I living a life worthy of the calling I received? And are, are we honoring our God? Are we honoring God in, 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 in the way we're living our life? Are, are, we, are we hearers of the word, but not doers of the word? And so, again, this is where the rubber meets the road as believers. If, if, if I'm up here professing my faith and yet I go home and I'm, name the list, pornography, adultery, my lying, stealing, children, I'm a, a cheating, am I stealing, um, am, I, am I just in sin? And if you're doing that and you're thinking, that's okay, I got time. I, you know, I, I, I can always, I can always ask for forgiveness. That's, that's not the lifestyle we're called to live. And, hmm? you know, that day comes. We don't know the day or the hour. We do not know. And, and what's interesting about the ark is that God closed that door. Yeah. No one didn't get to close the door. No one didn't decide when the door closed. God closed the door, and you mentioned it already. Yeah. You know, we, we don't know. It is, it is time to, to get right and to repent where we need to repent, to get help where we need to get help, uh, because that day is coming. Amen to that. Lastly, it's our theme verse, Mark thirteen twenty three. Believe and trust Jesus for what's coming, for he has told us beforehand. 
What do you think about that, brother? This is, uh, this is fun. Uh, for what we're going to be discussing, it's fun. Because God told us everything right here, from start to finish. It's all here. It's all written down. He didn't hide it. And Satan is doing the same thing. All the people we talked about at the beginning, the World Economic Forum, the people who want to bring transhumanism and do all these things, their, their plans are written in plain sight. Yep. Right under our noses. They're laughing at us. You see the, uh, the posters and the statues. It's right there. And yet the world blindly goes without seeing. And for, for those of us who are believers and, and those people who are also lost in the world, the Bible has been here forever. It's been here for thousands of years. And people go without seeing it, without picking it up, without looking at it, when all the answers are right there. Salvation is here. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's here. The voice crack. I'm going through puberty again. It's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's powerful. It is powerful. And, and when we know the truth, it's told to us. But one thing, realize this. If we're believing, and you should be believing, all what the Scripture has foretold, and we know at the end we win, if that is all true, then we should with all assurance and all hope, not be ashamed to share that with our family, with our friends, because you know what? People are asking questions like never before. This is the opportunity of the believer to share what is going on. And you know what? I think just, if, if you just think with me, you can... Uh, I know Pastor Jess have done some great series. You know what you can do for your family? If you can't share directly with them, buy the CDs and mail it to them. If you can't do it, and if then they have a choice to listen or not. But you know what? It will be upon them. But for us as God's people to do nothing, that's not good. We have to do what it takes, and, and Jesus foretold us. Therefore, we can answer many questions that they might have in their heart. You can explain, you know why this is happening? It's because of this. The Bible told, said. And you can say it with all confidence, because we stand on the Word. and The Word tells us what's coming. Let me end with this last verse. Jeremiah. 29.11, where God says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, and to give you a future and a hope. Let us not forget this. This is what God has for us. He, does, he doesn't want evil for us, even what we're seeing. But you know what? He left us here as ambassadors. We have the Word of God that is able to reconcile a sinner to a holy God. We have the message. You have heard. I've been here, so I know the word is going out. It's telling us the truth of the gospel. But the question is, are we sharing that with those that we know and we come across? That's what we need to be doing. Amen? You want to close? Awesome. Yeah, thank you, brother. Um, 
Thank you for being here tonight. I'm going to close this in prayer. And a couple of just quick announcements, and, uh, and we'll get to go home and enjoy the rest of our evening. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to come uh, to learn, to study, and dive into your word.